Sorry. <laughs> you tell him that I'll have his money when I'm damn well ready. What the f is going on over there? Get in there. You will deal with that Atlas harshly. Fight forever, Guardian. I think you broke it. And you're listening to Hell in a Cell Radio. The Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Now the time has come for all this to close in overthrow the past. We're here to make a change so all can be free. A call has been made. Gentlemen and ladies, I can now see the past more clearly now that we are in the present and we are joined in this particular segment of HIAC Talk Radio by the great Omega Squad, Chris Green. Uh, also, as always, my uh, faithful companion on the way to the Wayback Machine, the uh, Peabody to my Sherman, uh, Mr. Dan Calachico. As we go back in time where crowds look like this without the cell phones, but they were just paying customers back into stadiums, arenas, and high school gymnasiums around the country in all 50 states to see their favorite sport, professional wrestling. This, gentlemen and ladies, is the wrestling historian. Uh, we're going to go back to uh, July 31st, uh, a story that was got a lot of mainstream press and you probably have seen it in a lot of news feeds across the country and many social media platforms that occurred 25 years ago this week in wrestling history. Uh, July 31st, 1996, in Atlanta, Georgia, Iranian Addis Jadidi got to the final round and competed in a, to a one-on-one -on -one stalemate in the final rounds of the freestyle competition, thus enabling American Kurt Angle to win the Olympic gold medal with a broken, broken freaking neck. 25 years ago this week, and when I say broken neck, that's the, the obviously the company line and the, what he says, but in reality, Kurt Angle uh, sustained an injury in the world championships in order to compete in the Olympic Games. And so he was, so when he competed in the Olympic Games and won the gold medal, Kurt Angle was wrestling with two fractured vertebrae, two herniated discs, and four pulled muscles in his neck. And he won a gold medal. For context, folks, I pulled one muscle in my neck and thought I needed a neck brace for a month because I was in that much pain. Kurt had four pulled muscles in his neck, two herniated discs, and two fractured vertebrae, and competed and won an Olympic gold for the United States 25 years ago this week, July 31st. I was going to say, I hurt my finger the other day, and I cried for an hour. <laughs> Got an old dodgeball injury here that uh, yeah. still acts up when it rains. Yeah, my elbow hurts. Because I moved my arm real fast <laughs> in succession. Yeah, I, I broke my leg in two places, and the doctor said, you should stay out of those places. 
<laughs> but July 30th. Folks, just a little bit. I had That's the dad jokes. Listen, no, but I had this. I had the straw right here. Ready for the spit take. And 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 uh, there's a PS4, PS3, a very expensive HD monitor, my very expensive gaming laptop, all within spit distance. And very luckily, I he held it in. Hold, hold, <laughs> and release. I, I want to ask you guys, it was 25 years, the Olympics are on right now, and it's not nowhere near as big a deal as it was 25 years ago. Uh, but do any of you guys remember uh, seeing Kurt Angle? I mean, I mean, he Kurt became a national hero after this. I mean, he's, he was on the Wheaties box, and he was everywhere on Sports Illustrated. But do you guys any have any recollection of Olympian Kurt Angle? I feel like I watched it at the time. I don't remember if I saw it. I don't think I ever saw the match live because, okay. hey, NBC coverage of the Olympics. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> well, but, whatever do you mean? Yeah, but uh, yeah, I definitely recall seeing highlights of okay. it at the time because I, I did watch the Olympics quite, quite. I don't want to say religiously, but tried to watch it. I remember. I hearing about. I just remember the tears. I just remember him crying at the end of the match. Him crying at the gold medal stand, and crying at the wow, this guy's really emotional. Never, ever thinking that this man would be in my top ten of the ten greatest WWE superstars of all time. He's in my top ten. I mean, and yeah, I, I, I and the same guy that was invited to the ECW arena later on that summer. And got in the ring with Taz and just kind of, you know, got a great hand. And Taz put him over and said, uh, Kurt, you're a great athlete, but you don't belong in my ring. And Kurt just kind of waved around. And he had wanted absolutely nothing to do with professional wrestling. I mean, his first exposure to professional wrestling was ECW. Yeah. So yeah. That oh, away. that happened to be the same night the Sandman got crucified. Yeah. That was the other day. <laughs> so, 96 wasn't the best. Uh, so, yeah. he. Thanks, Paul. Yeah. So by the time Vince called him, he had already said, I know what professional wrestling is, Mr. McMahon, and it's not for me. So, no. But at didn't, same didn't he go backstage? He's going to air that. I'll sue you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Kurt, Kurt, Kurt also gave us one of the best chicken shit heel characters and funny characters of all time when him and Austin were on the same team during the invasion angle. And they would fight for Vince's. I know we, I know the, I am in the minority of liking Austin turning heel at WrestleMania 17. I'm calling it 17 because X7 is stupid. It was stupid in 2001. It's stupid in 2021. I'll call it 17. Um, I understand that. And I take that as a Dan's wrong thing. But goddamn, if I haven't laughed at, Oh, that was great. It was, it was gold. <laughs> I mean, I got Olympic gold. Yes. I got Olympic gold. Exactly. The hugging and all Yippee Kaye, and he's got the stupidest little hat. Uh, okay, here's your your weekly homework assignment, HIC Talk Radio folks. When Vince McMahon was giving Team WWE a pep talk, so you had Stone Cold, Angle, Undertaker, Kane, and Jericho all together. Watch Austin. Austin was his only goal was to break the Undertaker, <laughs> and he did. He almost and did. did. Undertaker yes. did. But watch, Vince McMahon's giving this Newt Rocky rousing speech. All right, now, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. 
Austin would just repeat everything this man says. It doesn't matter if you guys like each other or not. Austin goes, I do not. <laughs> so we're going to have to take this fight for WCW. Guess, okay, we're all in. He goes, yeah, we're all in. He hits Undertaker. And Undertaker just looks at him because you do that again, you're going to draw back a nub. But then he just hits Angle out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, but just watch that whole promo, that whole because Austin is only trying to break Undertaker. It's the only thing he's doing. He, he got him, but the way he got him is Undertaker just had to go like he just, yeah, and then was reset. But yeah, I count that. Yeah, <laughs> he, he got Undertaker. But back to Kurt Angle for a second. Kurt Angle when he he was brought into the WWE and was going to be pushed to the moon as the top babyface in the company. Because remember, this is before Rock had really ascended. And Austin was your main event heel. But it was so, Angle's push was so indicative of the Attitude Era because Kurt Angle did everything that Kurt Angle had already done. Talked about being an Olympic gold medalist. Talked about drinking nothing but milk. Talked about his three eyes. And they booed the crap out of him. And to Angle's credit, he'd never been booed a day in his life. This man's a national hero. He was on Regis and Kathy Lee. He was on a, a Wheaties box. He met the president. He's And even in his hometown of Pittsburgh, he was booed. But that was indicative of the Attitude Era. And to his credit, he ran with it. And he didn't let it get it down. He kept doing the exact same thing. I drink it nothing but milk. And you got to have the three eyes. Intensity, intelligence, and something else. I forget. And when he won the Intercontinental Championship, going, and they kept cutting back to him, celebrating with the fans with milk, priceless. When he was cutting a promo during his match with Jericho in Pittsburgh, grabbing the house microphone, why are you booing me? I was born in Mercy Hospital three blocks away. I'm from here. Cool. So, but Kurt Angle, 25 years ago, won Olympic gold medal. With a broken freaking neck. <laughs> also, this week in wrestling, something that I know you all re- do remember. Now, Olympic coverage on NBC, notwithstanding, I'm sure it wasn't everyone's cup of tea. But August 2nd, 1991, I'm sorry, I apologize, 1992, August 2nd, 1992, we all were wrestling fans. We all were probably watching. Another historic date that happened uh, in Baltimore, Maryland, when Vader would lose his WCW Heavyweight Championship to Ron Simmons. Mm. I was watching. Yeah, now that I know you were watching. Regis Scott, would you, were you watching? I was not watching oh. at that time. You've okay. seen it, though, right? Yes. Okay, true. yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Craig and I talk about it often when we talk about Ron Simmons, but there's this one little kid <laughs> that before that, that referee's hands hit three, that kid jumped from like the 11th row down the stairs to the front row, right into the right up, right up to the right up to the rail before that dude's hand hit three. And that place went nuts. It's one of the best reactions. Like, Cause you get pops, pops, pops. But when you see the reaction like that, and you know what I mean, Craig, mm-hmm. the little African-American kids are like, yes. And the kid came running down. You can't miss him. He's in blue. I don't think he he hit any step on the way down. 
And by the time he started running, when the count started, and by the time he got to three, he was in the front row, and he was using the guardrail to steady himself because he kept bolsing out off of it, jumping up and down because he was so ecstatic. And that's the one thing that we don't see now. We've seen a little bit of it when when Cena came back, uh, but we don't see the traditional uh, joy of a title change in a live crowd that we saw that night, August 2nd, 1992. Um, and it happened, just so happened that it made Ron Simmons the first uh, Black World Heavyweight Champion in, WC- in NWA history. Um, some speculate that you know, other there have been other Black World Champions, but never in this era had there been one uh, until Ron Simmons. Uh, but it was that wasn't lost, but what was so big was that he was the he was the number one babyface in the company at the time, save for Sting. Uh, but his push to the to the the title, you know, they did it the right way. They had a little, you know, he would win match after match, and when TV match after TV match, they had little vignettes of him, and it helped that Bill Watts was the booker at the time, since Bill Watts was a huge proponent of Ron Simmons, and he's a huge he's loves former football players. Uh, that turned into wrestling, Steve Williams, Junkyard Dog, you know, and guys that he could push to the moon. And he also has affinity for black baby faces because he knows that Bill Watts knew more than anyone uh, that black people go to wrestling matches, especially in southern towns. So if you have someone that you can cheer for, all the better. And who better than Ron Simmons uh, at the time? Uh, so, yes, him uh, going, powering out of the Vader bomb. Uh, Vader, not Ron Simmons going. You would think after he got out of the Vader bomb, he would be the one to propel himself against the ropes. But no, Vader went against the ropes. Ron caught him in a picture-perfect power slam as big as, as picture-perfect as you can for a 348-pound man. But Ron got him over, pinned him, place went nuts. History is made, and history still remains. Uh, and uh, Ron Simmons uh, became the WCW heavyweight champion. And the first black heavyweight recognized the first black heavyweight champion in professional wrestling history. Uh, but August 2nd, 1992 in Baltimore, Maryland, historic date. Uh, 30 years ago this week, August 3rd, 1991, right here, Philadelphia, the old uh, Philly Penn Hall, University City, adjacent to the old Civic Center. Uh, was a card that uh, made the rounds in wrestling newsletters back before the internet, kids, before social medias, before computers were a thing. You had to get your wrestling news uh, through pieces of paper that were, uh, yeah. What? That were typed up, written down, and mailed to you, or word of mouth. And there was such thing as VHS tape trading to find out that matches like this existed. Because the card that happened uh, August 3rd, 1991, right here in Philadelphia at the old Penn Hall, was a culmination of the, uh, not only was it a, a, a card put together by the great Joel Goodhart from the old Tri-State Wrestling Association, the precursor to ECW. Well, Joel Goodhart, who hosted his own show here in Philly called Wrestling Radio, that I would call up uh, weekly and 
because of my vast knowledge of pro wrestling history, I would win tickets when they would have a trivia contest. So I won tickets to this particular uh, card. But he would get people paying it out of his own pocket to fly in. Uh, and he get bring in wrestlers that people in Philadelphia had only read about in magazines or only seen from tape from trading tapes with other people. But this particular card was a culmination of a big feud. Uh, so, but we not only got to see locals like Sandman against Rock and Rebel, but I also got to see Luna Fashan take on Medusa. And that was the first time I seen either one of these two ladies wrestle. Because the morons we, up north wouldn't fucking book them. Yeah. Sorry. And these were two, but these were two AWA wrestlers who were wrestling in Philadelphia. First time I never saw Luna Bashan or Medusa. Uh, I got to see for the first time two Mid-South Memphis Star Wars. I got to see the great nature, the other nature boy, Buddy Landell, take on Austin Idol in Philadelphia. I got to see the Fantastics take on the tag team of Stan Lane and Jim Cornette. I say Jim Cornette because Bobby Eaton was still under contract at WCW and he had a match that night in Kansas City. So it was Stan Lane and Jim Cornette going up against the Fantastics. But the real main event of this card was the culmination of the feud between Eddie Gilbert and Cactus Jack when they would have a unique two out of three falls match where every fall was a different match. So they opened the, the card. Cactus Jack and Eddie Gilbert started the uh, evening with a Falls Count Anywhere match that Cactus won when beating Eddie Gilbert on the floor of the arena. The second fall was a stretcher match when Eddie Gilbert defeated Cactus Jack and Jack got stretched out. And a third fall was a steel cage match where it ended in a double disqualification, which is unheard of in a steel cage match, but that's what happened. But that those that, that two out of three fall match made the rounds uh, and was voted match of the year by Wrestling Observer magazine and uh, really got the East Coast trend of Philadelphia wrestling going. Uh, mostly because of the uh, the ingenuity and the uh, the the mind, the wrestling mind of Joel Goodhart. Joel Goodhart unfortunately couldn't sustain that uh, because he was paying these guys out of his own pocket. And even though they were drawing good crowds, they weren't enough to cover his expenses. So Joel Goodhart eventually went out of business, but not before uh, having an impression on Eddie Gilbert, who took it upon himself to start along with um, Paulie Dangerously and Todd Gordon to start ECW. But the card, August 3rd, 1991, 30 years ago this week, uh, some would say would start, would kickstart, was the birth of ECW. I just like the fact that uh, that the Doug and Eddie Gilbert started attacking Cactus at the end and Bam Bam Bigelow made the save. Yes. I love that. Huge crowd a huge pop for the crowd there because we're not not expecting to see these are again these are people we've only seen on 
other shows on other uh, yeah. wrestling associations, but here they were in Philadelphia. It's like a mini supercard. This yeah. summer, summer sizzler number two. Yeah. August 3rd, 1991, uh, 30 years ago this week. And I was in the bleachers at uh, the old Penn Hall, 550 people. There were only 550 people. Yeah, this was that. a smaller building kind of right yeah. next to the center. Yeah. But Dan, Chris, it was so loud in oh, there yeah. for every match. And but when these guys came out and I even just seen Austin Idol again, I never this is the first time I've ever seen him. I've only read or seen him on uh, videotapes. Uh, you know, the 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 classic uh, Memphis match with him and Jerry Lawler and the, the hair match and his matches with Tommy Rich in Georgia, seeing him for the first time. Huge. Same thing with, with Buddy Landell. You know, we all wanted to see the corkscrew elbow drop. That was his, <laughs> his signature and his, his seeing his robe. Um, uh, huge for all of us. But yeah, uh, 30 years ago this week, um, massive super card maybe the birth of BCW, but only 550 people were there. Uh, Wait a minute, which, my sister's 30? Yeah, 1991. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Uh, which brings us to today in wrestling history. You know, I, I, uh, when you promoted the, uh, the return of Omega Squad to this very podcast, Dan, earlier this week, I sent you a clip of the uh, top wrestling uh, shows, uh, uh, the top cable shows on not just wrestling, the top cable shows in 1999 of this week. Um, well, in 1997, on this day in 1997, the Monday Night Wars were in full uh, force. Uh, on Raw, you had uh, Dude Love took on Owen Hart and uh, Triple H took on Vader in the main event. Uh, but that was going up against WCW and that match uh, 19, uh, today on this date, 1997, Lex Luger defeated Hulk Hogan for the WCW Heavyweight Championship. And uh, in that, that particular night, Raw did a 2.7 and Nitro did a 4.4. That was in 97. But of course, the uh, the graphic I sent you in uh, 1999, uh, the top five basic cable shows in this week in 1999, the number one show on cable television was WWF Raw with 6.9 million viewers. The number two show, Warzone, which was the nine o'clock hour. They renamed it so they can get another bump. They did 6.6 million. And WWS Sunday Night Heat did 5.6 million viewers. Coming in fourth, Vegas Vacation. (laughs) Maybe the least funny of all the vacation movies, but it was the number four cable, basic cable show in all of America. And coming in at number five, and we have 4.1 with 4.1 million viewers, WCW Monday Nitro. So it's Vegas Vacation's fault that they kept Thunder off that fifth spot. <laughs> yeah, they they split the viewers. Sons of bitches. Yeah. <laughs> but that was this week. And how far the mighty have fallen, how how now uh any either um federation, W WWE or AEW would kill, murder, death, kill 
for those ratings right now. Murder Death Kill. MBK? Hmm. Hmm. I like how the one good thing out of Demolition Man that still made it to today in 2021. Hooray. Um, <laughs> and that's taking nothing away from the fine work of Jesse Ventura in that oh, film. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> yes. We'll discuss this after the segment. Continue. Harumph. I, I don't bid you adieu. Adieu. I said good day, sir. Be well. <laughs> you inspire joy, joy feelings in all of us. <laughs> ah, in the valley of the garden, garden of the valley. I'm so glad that giant. movie. We we got to see Dan Cortez die in that movie. <laughs> we got to see. We got to hear Dan Cortez sing first. Uh, uh, well. And if it wasn't for that movie, we would not have the chameleon-like hair of Dennis Rodman. He so, oh, he doesn't know the three seashells. He doesn't know what three shells are for. He doesn't know what the three shells are let for. Me, let, let me get this straight. Spacely Sprockets here. <laughs> Fuck you. That's a good movie. I'm watching <laughs> that after we're done. Screw I you. Didn't say anything bad about Demolition Man. I would I like to, I would like to invite you to Taco Bell. When he finally, listen, when he finally flips out, he goes, that's what you remind me of. Evil Mr. Rogers. Will you please kill him? He's pissing me off. And he just throws the gun to Jesse Ventura and he just blows him away. (laughs) Just like, yes. (laughs) Sorry. Anytime to this day, whenever there is feedback on a microphone, I immediately go, and the <laughs> yes. of the brain. Play ball! <laughs> Demolition Man, folks. Underrated, underrated classic. Great movie. Gave us the career of Sandra Bullock. Yes, yeah. great movie. Yeah. I right love that there. movie. Sorry. Yes, and and with the, uh, the praise of Demolition Man, appropriately, that is the end of the wrestling historian. I will say this uh, before you do the outros. Um, we also got Dennis Leary. <laughs> yes. Because that was one of his first movie roles. Yeah. As he was coming up to the, you know. Dennis Leary playing Dennis Leary from the future. Dan- yes, Dennis, yeah, Dennis Leary. <laughs> yes. Which is essentially Bill Hicks. Yeah. Which is why, you know, the joke, uh, why... Why does Dennis Leary have a career? Because there's no cure for cancer. Thank you. I didn't write that one. I don't know who wrote it, but I first heard it from Ron White. So I'll give him the, I'll give him the credit. The comedian. That's all yours, Ron. Sorry. Go ahead, Greg. Do the outro, sir. And that, once again, gentlemen and ladies, is a wrestling historian. And you can follow me if you so choose, on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter, at Craig Lagon, C-R-A-I-G-L-I-G-G-E-O-N-S. Chris. Oh. <laughs> right, like, what are you, are you doing? <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter, at Omega Squad. I didn't know. I, it's been a while. I'm sorry. Sorry. It's all right. Dead air. Dead air. Pointing. What were you? I was like. I, I, on my screen, I'm pointing to you. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. When I point to you, I am the amateur. I'm sorry. When I point to you, yeah, but you weren't pointing at me. I was pointing point at you. you. Like that money ball. I said, Do you want me to talk? When I point at you, yes. When I point at you, I want you to talk. 
By the way, Demolition Man also gave us the worst Sting song ever. I fucking loathe that song. Oh, yeah. Demolition. It does. I fucking. I just. Yeah, I, I hate it so much. It's so bad. I uh, only worse than that song with the video. Yes, you're correct. <laughs> we went from Ten Summoners Tales to whatever that is. Anyway. I'm looking at yeah, I'm looking at Sting doing the theme for Demolition Man. That's a, that smells like a lot of money they paid him to do this oh, horrible yeah. song. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And you know what song I like better? What's that one? It's Sting, Rod Stewart, Brian Adams. All for love. Uh, yeah, uh, it's all for one and one. It's for the Three Musketeers sound. I'll listen yeah. to that all day versus Demolition Man. It's just a bad song. No, it's the just, best song Sting ever did for a movie was the acoustic version of "It's Probably Me" from Lethal Weapon Two, with Dave Sanborn on Lethal on Weapon Three, and I just yeah. watched it yeah, this past weekend. Only- yeah, that's the only good thing that came out of Lethal Weapon 3. That was the weakest of the three. I, I It's funny because I discovered it. By the way, follow me on Twitter at DanLaw83. Um, <laughs> I, I discovered that because the, the original version is not yeah. acoustic. It's just, it's funky. It's right. a funky version. Yeah. Great version. Yeah. Uh, Lethal Weapon gave us, unfortunately, Mel Gibson. And that's not only unfortunately, retrospectively, but it gave us a great George Harrison song. And a great alternate version of uh, It's Probably Me, which you're yeah. correct, is a fantastic song. Oh, my God. Let's get out of here. H- oh, yeah. go ahead, and, Craig. And, and it gave me my whole career on Preston Steve show because of thank you to Eric Clapton. That's right. Uh, the, the connection to Eric Clapton. Lethal Weapon, Weapon 4. Well, Lethal Weapon 4 is, um, um, yes, Pilgrim. Eric from Pilgrim. That's I couldn't think of the name. And and what do you know, Chris, you know, he wrote a song, Mr. Legans. Uh, for those who don't know, there's only nine black listeners of the Preston Steve show in the Philadelphia area for WMMR. So he wrote a song called Black Listener. And uh, he wrote it to the sample of Pilgrim, the main guitar riff from Pilgrim, Eric Clapton. And when the song came out, I thought, this is really great. The amount of people. <laughs> that was on the original Preston Steve Rock Forum and on Facebook. They were like, you know, he just took the song Pilgrim from Eric Clapton. Like, yeah, it's called a sample. It's called rap, stupid. Yeah. Have you never heard a rap song before? I just thought, uh, Chris, it was not just me said it was an overwhelming amount of people that were like thinking that was a dunk. <laughs> anyway. Hey, hey, if, if anything, the last couple of years have taught us it's that doesn't surprise me. That point. doesn't surprise you at all. <laughs> yeah, 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 and the thing is, and I and and thankfully, and I wasn't on the, the board with Dan while he was in the infancy stages of President Steve Rock because I was expecting a blowback, but it was t- t- I waited 10 years for any rapper anywhere to sample that song. And when no one did, that's when I did the song. Literally 10 years. It was it released was, in 97. Yeah. You recorded yeah. it in 07. Yeah. Yeah. Literally 10 years. Nobody used it. And it's made for that <laughs> it's like no one could and i and i and as much as i could in the infancy of the of the internet look for anyone who sampled this no one did awesome baseline it's eric clapton as um as horrible as he is about his vaccination stand the guy <laughs> knows the guy knows a good baseline when he uh when he writes music used it sampled it i i did the and i talked to my music major friend who's a composer you do it for a certain amount of seconds it's not a sample it's just a loop so that's all it was. Yes, it was a exactly. Yeah. It's, a, yeah. it's a loop. With it's the, literally. Yeah, it's probably 10 seconds. 
Yeah. Because the song, because the Pilgrim is a loop. Yes. It's the same loop. Mm -hmm. He just took the loop. Yeah. So any longer than that, it would have been something. But because the song was never sold, I couldn't get in. There was no plagiarism or any copyright issues. So all the way around it. But yes, everyone loves to loves to point out that it was from Lethal Weapon 4. And even Preston Elliott from the Preston Steve Shet show said, yes. Uh, he, Craig told us that. He loved that song. And that's why he used it. That's right. I do remember he had to address yeah. it like a week later. He goes, yeah, he said that on the thing. Remember, we just... Anyway. Yeah. I'm so glad we could stay on point for this whole time. Yes. HIC Talk Radio <laughs> Network. Demolition <laughs> Man. Look at the weapon. Look at this. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> You know where to find us, go. Son of a bitch! God likes me! I am the best! It's the end of the show, Mother Earth! Oh, can we?